Hello and welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, Justin Baker, thine co-host here with me via Skype. Hi, Justin. Thine co-host. Thine, I yes. truly appreciate it. I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling very British today. I don't, I'm not going to try a British accent on the air because I don't want to insult our British listener. But uh, listener, <laughs> listener, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know if we have anyone from from the UK Ooh. that listens. I I haven't looked at our map recently. It's mostly Canada and the US. Uh, there we do have a small following in like New Zealand. Uh, and That's then I think, I think a few in Sweden out there. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, people listening from all over the world. Uh, probably who know who know. I mean, I would guess that they're. Maybe they, they're uh, like Canadian American people that have are over there, or maybe it's just people who are super into hockey who are uh, Australian or New Zealand. New- what's a what's a New Zealander? Is it a New Zealander? Kiwis, Kiwis. All right, Kiwis. Yeah, there, there you go, Kiwis. Uh, but yeah, so on uh, today's show, we are going to finally finish with the Metropolitan Division with. Uh, Two teams that have been around for a long time: the Philadelphia Flyers and the New York Rangers. And uh, I, I think it's it's almost fitting. It was purely by accident, just because of time constraints, that we end up with these two teams. But I do think the the Flyers. There's a lot to talk about with the Flyers. We can go a lot of places, and uh, the New York Rangers, despite going to the conference finals, did make some pretty big changes in. Uh, uh, in their forward group, so uh, we'll we'll definitely talk about that. And uh, there's there's plenty to talk about here for for this episode. And maybe in the in the end, we can we'll just toss out a few, uh, maybe some league notes, things that are going on uh, that you know we we just got to hit on. Uh, but as we dive into these two teams, I think it's fitting to start with John Tortorella speaking to the media. Uh, just a couple of days ago, uh, he was he was speaking to Sirius XM NHL Network, and he said this, quote, I have major concerns about the locker room. I've spent some time in the office talking to players, personnel, the general manager, Chuck Fletcher, all the front office. I have major concerns about what goes on in there. Before we even step on the ice, situations and standards and accountability in the room is forefront. You can't get squat done on the ice until you get your room straightened out. And I think we have a little bit of work to do there. So he goes from saying he has major concerns to we have a little bit of work. Um, I think he's just trying to be nice. Uh, (laughs) So I think that's a good lead-in to a discussion on this season because I don't know about you, it sure sounds like Tortorella is about to uh he's about to maybe make some recommendations for who should be playing here, who shouldn't, and how certain players should be playing. Yeah, I sure hope so. I mean, look, this Philadelphia team was expected to make a big splash this offseason. You heard they were going hard after Johnny Goudreau and really wanted this guy, I mean the hometown guy, right? Uh just a few miles down the road from Philly and New Jersey there, but um, look, they, they swung and missed on just about every free agent that they went after and uh, ended up having to trade for Tony D'Angelo as really their only major piece up front on the ice. Now, off the ice, right, John Tortorella was it. He was the big big acquisition. He was the big signing, I guess, if you want to call it that. And um, 
really, I think a lot of people kind of expected this to be the guy here because he kind of fits that identity, right? He's he's kind of old school a little bit, but still still grinding, grinds it out a little bit, a little hard nosed, and I think that kind of fits the the broad street bully mentality that I think this this fan base would like to see them get back to. So, um, yeah, I mean, look on paper, this team seems like they should have been more successful than they were last year. And if Torts comes out and says, Hey, you know what? We have a problem with the locker room, right? This could be a, a big reason why this team just wasn't as successful as maybe everybody thought they could have been last year. Right. I mean, I think, um, in my preseason rankings last year, I think I had them as a bubble team, potentially making the playoffs and they were far from that. I mean, they far ended up that, finishing yeah. with yeah, 61 points, a, a meager, you know, gosh, I mean, over 40, 40 points. I mean, basically from making the playoffs and, uh, a negative eighty-seven goal differential. It was. Uh, I mean, not you know, to, not, not to just, mention a, a two and eight record in the last ten games. You know, sometimes you you see these teams right. that, well, once they have nothing to lose, they they start to loosen up a, a little bit and uh, and they win some games. You know, they have a, a decent record towards the end of the year, and that definitely did not happen. Like look towards Ottawa. Ottawa seven two and one in their final ten games. Uh, Buffalo six and four in their final ten. Uh, Winnipeg six and four. So you had some teams that were uh, like Vancouver six two and two. Once the pressure was relieved, they played better. And you uh, you definitely did not get with that with the Flyers. They were just. <laughs> I, I would say, is it is it fair to say that the the one bright spot was the fact that Carter Hart was not horrible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He, he, was, he was fine. Now, like a nine oh five save percentage isn't great, but it's a far cry from the eight seven seven that he had in twenty 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 one, and we can excuse some of that for. And the team was rough in front of him, and he had a really nice start. It just it as the season got worse for the Flyers, uh, it just there wasn't much for him, much chance for Carter Hart. I thought he had a, a much better year, a more encouraging year at least. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely, I mean, look, you look at the year before that, and I started having doubts, right? I mean, even though he is still only 24 years old, you think, okay, well, you know, that previous season, you're thinking, gosh, did they really push him too hard, too fast to come in and be the savior of this franchise in the net? And, uh, you know, is it just not going to work out for this guy? Is it going to turn out to be another Mackenzie Blackwood, right? Everybody who had, you know, I mean, honestly, I think Carter Hart had higher expectations, but still there was hope that maybe he could be that franchise guy and I think last year kind of proved that hey you know what he's still a very capable goaltender I think he's still uh still growing still developing 24 is still you know young in a goaltender's development so he's got a couple years left to really come out and you know say hey you know what uh I'm the guy and I think you know really there's no succession plan in Philly there's no uh potential guy up you know up you know behind his back that could potentially come in and steal the show so um, yeah, yeah, as of as hard. of right now, Felix Sandstrom is listed as the number two goalie in Philadelphia. Who he played uh, upwards of forty forty five games for the Lehigh Flyers and uh, had a pretty decent record down there, like decent numbers uh, down there. But another young goaltender, so you, you got to wonder: Do the Flyers maybe go out and look at look at bringing someone in after training camp? You know, if if someone goes down, they really don't have anyone else uh, down the down the pipe that you'd want to be your starting goal goaltender or even your backup goalie 
in the National Hockey League. So you wonder, you know, there's still guys like a Braden Holpies out there. Uh, well, that's it. <laughs> Braden Holpies <laughs> well, that's out it. there. So would Braden yeah. Holpies go I mean, to Philadelphia? I mean, probably not. Yeah. I, so what I'll say, though, Philly did go out and they, they made a splash in the KHL and they did bring in uh, Ivan Fetotov. I'm not sure if I'm even saying that right. Uh, Fetotov? Fetotov. Yeah, maybe Fedotov. I have no idea how to pronounce it. I would guess that it's but. Fedorov, but with a T instead of an R. <laughs> Fedotov. Yeah. There you go. I like that. I mean, he was a seventh-round draft pick, but last year in the KHL. Yeah, he crushed uh, it. He was lights out, right? In the playoffs, 22 games, 1.85, 937 save percentage. So uh, there's a little hype around him, and I think he could come in and challenge for a few games. But, you know, is he ready for the show yet? I don't know. Some guys, you know, swing yeah. and miss. Other yeah, guys playing on the big ice, the too. And, yeah, exactly. So – you know, who knows? Um, but, you know, he's still there, right? So they have at least, I think, a, a good number three, maybe potentially number two. But okay. <laughs> uh, either way, right, there's no veteran guy there that, you know, when you, you do get worried about Carter Hart, like when Brian Elliott was there, you say, okay, cool. You know what? We can we can trust this guy to come in for 20 games and, and even things out while Carter Hart gets his shit together kind of thing. But sure. there's no one really there. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I suppose that's a, a little bit of a – a committee backup. You know, I mean, you're you're going to hope that your the signing in the KHL Fedotov can come up and challenge for that spot. If he doesn't, it's okay. I think you're okay. Sandstrom has sort has kind of proven that he can at least show up in the NHL. I mean, he played five games last year, uh, nine ten save percentage. So it's not as if he he played terribly. Uh, played played really well when he was up. So you're going to kind of play that by year, I think, if you're the Flyers. Uh, speaking of, you know, protecting the net, I think with this Flyers team, it really all started with that back end, which was an absolute disaster last year. Your number one defenseman, Ivan Provorov, had uh, a really a, a down year, and him and Travis Sanheim both having down years, and now you're kind of at this crossroads Obviously, with what Tortorella said, he's saying like there's there's some issues here, and I'm wondering if that is a part of it that your number one defenseman uh, maybe there's something going on. You know, it seemed like there was something happening last year. He was struggling. You're going to give him another chance, obviously. Uh, but Sam Sandheim's a UFA at the end of this year. No guarantee he's back, or no guarantee you even want him back. And I think I think bringing in. Tony D'Angelo was a nice move. He'll certainly put up point. He'll put up fifty points. It's almost a guarantee he'll put up fifty points. So that's going to help your power play. But is he going to come out and make a huge difference five on five? Uh, that's ultimately going. You know, that's going to be a big question. Is can can he come out and really be a diff- the difference maker that you probably hope that he will be? Uh, but it's it's a nice move. I mean, they they didn't give up. Uh, the world to get Anthony D'Angelo as an RFA who who wasn't probably going to sign in Carolina anyways. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he put up 50, 51 points in fifth, uh, 64 games last year. You got to think he'll put up points again. But is it enough on the back end, especially with the question marks still about Ryan Ellis? Yeah, that's the question, right? Because, listen, I think I think the Tony D'Angelo signing was, you know, again, a little controversial. You got a team that is, doesn't really have an identity, right? They're not Carolina where they have a stability as far as an identity, leadership, and, and coaching is concerned, right? So you hope that Torch comes in here and fixes that locker room and maybe straightens out Tony D'Angelo. But, um, you know, to me, I think it 
if he starts the season presumably on the top line with Provorov, I think that's going to allow a guy like Provorov to kind of settle back into more of a defensive game and not really have to worry about producing the offense, right? He doesn't have to be that guy because literally last year he was the only one that was that was counted on to produce any offense for this this defense. So um, there was a lot on his shoulders, and now you alleviate some of that that pressure. And hopefully, you know, with Ryan Ellis again, I I, I know he's not starting the season, but uh, he is expected to return at some point. So you know, with that that mentality that Ryan Ellis will be back at some point, and then you have, I mean, honestly, a, a pretty good top four between Provorov, D'Angelo, Sanheim, and, and Ryan Ellis, I think that that would work out pretty good on paper. But, right. Theor- you know, again, theoretically, it, they should be good on paper, which is what we thought last year. Right. And, <laughs> and it just didn't it didn't happen last year for them. Um, and all this is really compounded by the fact that we're walking in this year with a very similar forward group, right? Like Kevin Hayes, Van Riemsdyk, Atkinson, Konechny, Farabee, Lawton, uh, Owen Tippett, like we're we're walking in with a similar team. Uh, not Owen, well, Owen Tippett, Tippett was traded there last year. Uh, I was I meant to say Morgan Frost. Uh, you're, so you've got a very similar group up front, minus oh yeah, Claude Giroux, who was your point yeah, per game guy. Captain. And and suddenly now you're going to walk into this year, and do we really think that they're going to be better than last year? Plus Anthony D'Angelo. And minus Claude Giroux. Yeah, that's the big question, right? And you talk about locker room, right? You lose a Philadelphia Flyer legend, probably one of the, the you know top players in that franchise's history, and you have a guy who basically is taking all that leadership, that locker room presence, and he's he's gone. He's signed in Ottawa, and you know from a production and offensive standpoint, you know what? You're going to replace him. You're getting a healthy Sean Couturier back finally this year. So um, with him healthy, taking up that number one spot at center i think you're going to get good production from him also a good two-way game but is it enough right because uh again you still have like you said that that basic same group is coming back they really didn't didn't lose much i know they were trying to get rid of jvr's contract so they could you know make a play for a free agent that didn't work out and you know travis connectney kind of I, I would say most of these players on this team just weren't where what we thought they could be last year and they just kind of had down years so um, you know, when a lot of people around the league were having up years, this team was nothing but down. So uh, a lot more pressure, I think, on this forward group now, especially on guys like Travis Konechny, JVR, Kevin Hayes to to really produce, right? Especially, you know, those – because, again, they have a lot of guys like Kevin Hayes and Couturier signed to long-term deals and uh, not a ton of, you know, cap flexibility coming and next year. Maybe they'll have, you know, projected to have 10 to 15 million bucks and – in cap space, but right, you got to think Van Riemsdyk's gone, uh, and that's that's the big savings there. But you, know, you are going to have to re-sign Morgan Frost, and if he has a a better year than he had last year, then you know, uh, which you're obviously hoping for, you're hoping that Morgan Frost has uh, uh, finally can fi- can find himself. You know, he had 16 points in 55 games, but he played pretty well down in the AHL and. Uh, it's this is kind of a make or break year for Morgan Frost. Uh, if it doesn't happen, then maybe they don't even match his uh, his salary. We we saw that several times where there were players. Uh, I'm reminded of Sam Steele, who's who's pretty similar to Morgan Frost in that sense. That hey, Sam Steele never really panned out, and Anaheim went, no, nah, we don't want you. Like we're gonna we're gonna spend our resources on someone else. And uh, I think Morgan Frost is at a, a crossroads similar to Sam Steele from last year. Um, 
But uh, offensively speaking, I just don't see where the offense is going to come from. You've got a, a Kevin Hayes, never known for just lighting the lamp. Uh, you know, it's not as if he's going to go put up a point per game or any like last year. He only made it into 48 games, 31 points. You know, yeah, he's a 50, 50 point guy, maybe in, in his role as a second line center. Uh, but if you think James Van Riemsdyk is going to go out and score you 30 goals again, I've got big questions about that. I, mean, I know he played, he played all 82 games last year. He had 24 goals. Only 38 assists. He was a minus 33, and I, I know that's not the of-all, be-all, but he, he he does not tip the scales in a positive direction five-on-five. Five. He's just he's a power play. like He should be more of a power play specialist and probably playing on a third line is, is in my mind, ideally where Van Riemsdyk comes in. You know, he comes in, he can play on the top power play line or the second power play line and get lots of time in that sense. Uh, but plays down the lineup because he just doesn't have it five on five. He doesn't have the the same foot speed that he once had. And I think you've just have, there's so many question marks about every forward here, except for maybe like, I, I think I'm okay with saying that can cam Atkinson at 50 points last year and 23 goals. I'm, I think that I'm, I'm at least uh, with him. I feel comfortable coming into the year saying he's going to have a 30 goal season this year. He he did it you with Tortorella. So. I I think he has the ability to do it again, and uh, and I think he'll be one of the driving forces behind this team's season this year. Um, I'm not saying that their season is going to be considered a success, but I think that his season will be a success this year uh, because I'm certain that he's someone that Tortorella can rely on. And uh, yeah, you certainly hope so, right? I mean. Look, this team only had two guys with more than 20 goals. So, um, you know, if you have to rely on JBR and Cam Atkinson to be your go-to guys every night, you're in trouble as far as I'm concerned. Um, yes. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I agree with you. I think JBR's better suited on the third line, you know, a power play guy up front. And But Cam Atkinson, yeah, I, I like what he brings, and I think he's he's Mr. Consistent. And you know what you're going to get out of him night in and night out. And you know, it's just the the rest of this group, right? You never know what you're going to get. It's kind of a mixed bag. So um, maybe some of these guys improve a little bit. You know, maybe Kevin Hayes puts up, you know, 50 points like we talked about. And maybe Travis Konechny finally gets it together. I mean, yes, 52 points wasn't bad, but um, really he's not good defensively. And if, you know, you're really supposed to be the top winger on this team, you know, 52 points just isn't going to cut it. Right. Uh yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm wondering here uh, what the chances are that you know the Flyers' first round pick, fifth overall, Cutter Goche. Uh, I'm wondering what the chances are that he uh, at, he's playing at Boston College. He goes and he plays at Boston College. I wonder if they sign him when his season is over to uh, to bring him in and continue his development. If he puts up really good numbers at Boston College, uh, and the Flyers are are just pretty confident in him coming to play for them next season, 23, 24, maybe they bring him in that, uh, you know, month and a half, two months early and have him join that team, which would be, I think exciting for, uh, if you're having a a down year, I think that it's fun and excited. It's something to look forward to. Maybe somebody coming in, joining your team in that sense. So uh, can look ahead to that because I don't see this flyers team, even competing for a playoff spot for very long. You know, I 
I don't know how long uh, they'll be in the run. I can see, I can see how this Flyers team, with a new fire lit under them from John Tortorella, will where they could have a decent start. I just don't know about the middle and the end. I, I don't know if if they have the horses, the players to be able to uh, contend with the other teams in this division. Uh, I mean, I just think that there's too much there. Uh, for this Flyers team. I think this Flyers team is the way that they didn't sign anyone this offseason. It's it's almost like they had they had the offseason that it looked like Calgary was going to have. Like now Calgary <laughs> is certainly in a better position into like they they made it to the uh the second round this last year, but Calgary lost their two best players. You know, and of course they bring another. They, you know, one of them was via trade, and they bring in Huberto, but they lose Goudreau, and it looks like, oh my gosh, nobody wants. Like this is all going to fall apart. Nobody wants to come here. Like, and they, uh, you know, Bradtree Living has one of the best off seasons for two hands hand dealt, poor hand dealt to great off season that maybe we've ever seen a general manager have to deal with in the cap era. Uh, I don't think that's a, a stretch at all, seeing as I think it's the first time 200-point players left a team in the history of the league uh, the following year. So it's it's almost like that's the season, the offseason that the, the Flames should have had. The Flyers had it instead. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it's not pretty. And, uh, yeah, I'm not, not too optimistic. I mean, listen, if you want to, just jump right into it, right? Ceilings and basements for yep. this team. Yep. I'll just I'll say right now, as far as the basement's concerned, um, this team is going to be tanking for Connor Bedard. Uh, I think you'll you'll see them right there towards the bottom, in my opinion, with Arizona, uh, with Montreal, and and some of those teams, you know, fighting it out for that number one pick. Chicago, for yeah, yeah, Chicago. But I mean, on the plus side, right? Even if they, you know, do finish towards the bottom of the league, there is. A lot of really good talent at the top of the draft this year, so they could get somebody really nice. Um, now, as far as the ceiling is concerned, I, I kind of have to agree with you. I think maybe Torch, you know, lights, lights a fire under their ass to start the season, and uh, you know they don't finish last in this division, right? That's that's where I see them. Maybe they they hop a team like you know maybe the Islanders, right? Tank this year and just can't get it together with a new head coach and an aging group of players, um, you know, and maybe New Jersey just isn't what we thought they were going to be this year. So uh, to me, maybe they, they don't finish dead last in this division and finish seventh, but that's about as, as high as I can, I can give them for a ceiling. Yeah. Uh, a ceiling of, I think there is a world that torts could rip this team into the, the middle of the division. You know, that's probably the ceiling to me is like, Hey, they have a really nice start or something like that. And, or, or they have a nice finish to the season because everyone's kind of finally bought into his system and it starts to work. Uh, I could see that happening as well. And, you know, by the end of it, maybe they end up in a similar position uh, to that of Columbus or the Islanders last year where, yeah, they missed the playoffs by a good amount. They just happen to be above some of the absolute bottom feeders in this division. Um, But, it's tough for me to see that because I'm I, as I look across the division, I don't see too many teams that got worse, except the Flyers. <laughs> like the Flyers, right. are the, at least from the beginning of last year to the beginning of this year, the Flyers are definitely, in my mind, uh, in a on paper, a worse team. 
because you don't have Claude Giroux. There's no other team in this division where you're looking at him going, oh, you lost a really big name player. That's going to hurt. I, I don't. I don't see that across the landscape. So I'm I'm thinking that this isn't going to be a lot of fun for Flyers fans. And uh, it's going to be, it, I mean, it would be almost like a conspiracy theory. You know, you've got Montreal and Philadelphia going up against each other, maybe for the, for the Connor Medard sweepstakes, like these two powerhouse franchises that are just trying to get the best player uh, in his generation kind of vibe. Uh, it's, it, you're, if if one of them beats out Arizona and Arizona is the last place team, people are like the 17 Arizona fans. Or I'm sorry, the, like the 3,500 Arizona <laughs> fans that they're uh, going to sell out every game for. Uh, they like they'll be screaming from from the tops of buildings if Montreal or Philadelphia beats them out for that top pick because. Arizona is probably going to finish last place in the league. I don't know that there's like anyone's looking at them going, yeah, they could, they could do decent. No, they're going to be horrible. Uh, this is like, this oh is boy. the same time Arizona and, uh, and Buffalo both tanking for McDavid and Edmonton tanking. Yeah. And then uh, I think Arizona, that was the year that Arizona took Dylan Strom, right? Yeah. Was that that year? Yeah. They lost. Yeah. And then the Number Leafs three. took Marner at four. Whoops. Whoops, <laughs> Whoops Daisy. Arizona. Uh, okay, let's move on to uh, the New York Rangers. Oh, I guess I, yeah, no, I, I mean, I gave my ceiling a cap. It's, my ceiling is mid-division, and, of course, my, my floor is last place in this division, which is where I think they're most likely to finish. Um, okay, let's, let's move on to the New York Rangers. Uh, I mean, as, as, few moves as they truly made it feels like they they made a big splash into their top six by removing strom and adding uh ryan strom and adding vincent trocheck uh what how do you think trocheck will fit into this lineup well i mean i can tell you this right off the bat you're gonna get a more well-rounded center right you're gonna get a guy don't get me wrong i i got nothing against ryan strom i thought he was great um but I think Vincent Trocek just brings a whole nother nitty-gritty two-way kind of centerman to this team, right? Where I think Ryan Strom, he's he's a straightaway forward, right? He's just going to go straight to the net and dish the puck or, you know, you, you give him the puck and that's it, really. That's that What you see is what you get. And with Vincent Trocek, I think you're going to get a guy who's a better face-off man and a guy who's willing to go in all the dirty areas of the ice, Um but, I mean, yes, I, I don't like the term they, they gave him. But I think in the short term, anyways, he's going to pay off much better than I think Ryan Strom would have. Now, on the flip side, I am a little sad that they were not able to keep, um, you know, Cop. I think he fit in very, very well in that second line and had seemed to click very well with Artemi Panarin. So I would have liked to have seen that. But as a Wings fan, I'm not too upset about it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah, Andrew Cop. I don't think I don't think anyone thought that he was – going to stay there i guess i mean he could have signed that similar deal to to trocheck you know they, they could have afforded him but i think when the opportunity comes i'll take trocheck over over andrew cop because of the offense that he brings and because that's the area that the rangers really needed to focus on was bringing in someone who can score some goals i i think there's a good chance that trocheck has a better goal scoring year than he had this last year with Carolina, uh, 21 goals in 81 games. I think that he's, 
he's probably more on that 30-goal pace uh, with the Rangers mm-hmm. because of the opportunity for the players that he's going to play with uh, and the way that the Rangers play. Uh, I just I, I think that it just bodes itself better to him scoring goals because he can take so many chances. <laughs> these guys can take all these chances because they have Igor Shesterkin, and that's kind of how they played their offense. Like uh, I think head coach Gerard Gallant was like, we've got the best goalie in the world. Let's take chances and – you know, it, it worked for most of the season. They were they were right there, and uh, I think they're only going to be better. And I, I I also, though, think the reason why they're going to be a little bit better than they were last year is that I think you're going to see steps taken by some of their younger guys. I think Julian Goche is ready for uh, a bigger role. He proved that in the playoffs. I think Capo Caco uh, is probably in a place now where where he's ready to take that step. There's a little pressure taken off because he signed that two-year deal. Uh, and then you know, you've got Lafreniere, who, uh, Lafreniere who, who really has – this is his opportunity here to score big on his next contract, and uh, this is the year that matters the most in terms of that entry-level deal. So I think they've got a lot of players with a lot to gain, and uh, and so I think they, they will do really well. Yeah. Uh, from an offensive standpoint, I think they'll, they're better. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. I think you're going to see a lot of players on this team grow, right? I mean, listen, they they got up two to nothing against the the back to back Stanley Cup champs, and obviously they uh, they turned it on. They do what Tampa does best. They know how to win, and um, you know what? That's that's no knock on on the Rangers at all. Um, I think if anything, that that experience to to go to battle against the champs like they did, and to make it to the conference finals is only going to provide just growth for all of these younger players. I mean, listen, they're one of the youngest teams. I think they are the youngest team in the league. And this back end, I mean, is super young, right? Jacob Truba is the the veteran guy at 28, and everybody else is 24, 24, 21, 20. Yeah. I mean, Average age 23.3 for this defense. Right. <laughs> yeah, a lot of young players on that back end. And now, me personally, I think they, they could use somebody uh, on that third pairing, maybe with, with Braden Snyder to – round out of like get a veteran guy in there but you know hey they'll they'll start the year fine where they are and no complaints there so um to me i think they've got all the pieces up front to be a championship team right and i think trocheck is only gonna to bolster that um now hopefully guys like alex lafreniere and capo caco take those next steps because man i mean it's make it or break it i think for you know guys like that specifically because um capo caco more than anybody else i think right now they just they probably don't have the money to hand out two giant contracts to Lafreniere and Caco and even um, Philip Heedle. So, you know, who's going to go out and grab it, right? Who's going to, you know, prove that, hey, you know what? I'm the guy worth keeping around because they've got, you know, Panarin, Zibanejad, Kreider, Trocek signed to these long-term deals. And, you know, they only have so many dollars to throw around. So right now uh, someone's got to go get it. That's uh, that's very true. Uh, you know, I'm and I'm – already thinking ahead to what the Rangers could do uh, in the at the trade deadline you know as as teams start to fall off and, and look to move players uh, you know there there are some possibilities especially you know after talking about Travis Santa uh, Travis Sanheim in Philadelphia I know the Rangers and the Flyers aren't uh, you know you're not always dying to make moves with each other but uh, a UFA a guy who's when the Flyers are bad, the Rangers are good. Who cares? You can get something for them. 
Uh, Travis Sanheim would be a great fit on that on that back end. He plays the left side. He could play along Braden Snyder. Uh, if he's playing down in the lineup, he may be even more effective. He could move up in the lineup for this Rangers team. And uh, and he probably wouldn't cost you a ton at the deadline. You're, uh, for a Sandheim, maybe a second-round pick uh, or a third and a, a B-level prospect, something like that. Uh, probably wouldn't be super expensive, but could fill in really nicely, especially come playoff time. Uh, but just just thinking ahead, you know, there's there's plenty of moves that this team could make that would improve that back end for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, no doubt. I mean, listen, you're gonna I, one team I, I look at right away that I think um, you know is going to be dealing one of their defenders, and I think this is a great veteran guy that I think a lot of teams are going to be clamoring for. Is that's a John Kleinberg, right? Um, Very true. He's going to yep. be yeah, a UFA after this year. Anaheim to me is is probably not making the playoffs. They might you know squeak in. In and that they, division, but who knows? Yeah, yeah. And Anaheim just hangs on to half that, and they get a first-round pick and more. Right. Uh, and, yeah, and they, they, it works out for everybody uh, in that deal. I I, I wonder, sometimes those one-year deals can be deceiving. You know, you look at it, and from, like, a video game perspective, you're like, oh, this is a perfect deal. You're going to be able to trade this guy at the deadline. and uh, right. But, you know, if it works really well, uh, he he does have a uh, a ten team no trade uh, at the oh no he has a no trade clause from the from the start of the season to January first so he can't get traded until January first then it turns into a ten team no trade clause so I guess at trade deadline it is set up for him to be able to move to twenty two possible destinations which I'm I'm sure he's. Uh, not going to let himself get dealt to anywhere but a playoff team. But I I look at that, and I also wonder, you know, maybe it is that uh, that he does really well in Anaheim. I think that he'll be a good fit with their system, with their younger players. And, you know, maybe they they go, yeah, no, we will sign you to a like a four-year deal. I, I don't think come 31 years old he's getting a, a seven-year deal. But sure. I think a four or a five year deal where he's a still if he's really effective in Anaheim, I, I think there's a world in which he he just re ups there and stays. And I think a lot of times we look at a deal like that and go, it's a guarantee he's getting traded. <laughs> but I I wonder if ultimately if he stays in Anaheim, we'll we'll see. Uh, but we are talking about the New York Rangers. Uh, I I wanted to ask you what your over under is for Igor Sesterkin. And the amount of games that he will start. Oh, okay, uh, that's a, that's a good just, question. Just I for mean, for content, last year he start, he played in fifty three games uh, and twenty playoff games. So he played in a. We'll we'll just do regular season, uh, but fifty three games was his regular season, and that was with okay. Georgiev as the backup. Which uh, I know he didn't have the best year ever for the Rangers, but uh, this year. You now have a 37-year-old Yaroslav Halak who played in 17 games last year for the Canucks and played in 19 the year before that for the Bruins. Yeah, I, I mean, so I'll say first off about Halak, right? I don't think he got in, in, as, in as many games as maybe the team was projecting. Um, they were up against some cap troubles, and once he hit 10 games, a bonus kicked in, and I think for a while there they were trying to trade him and hold off on that and uh, not play him, and then eventually they just they had no choice. Yeah, um, they didn't want to bo- him to bonus or whatever it was. And... 
Right, yeah, because, I mean, Thatcher Demko, just you can't make him play every single game for, like, 40 games straight. It's just not, yes, we can. not in today's NHL. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, as far as over-under is concerned for Sturkin, I think he's probably right in that 55 to 60 game mark. Um, I still think Halak can give you 15 to 20 games, no problem. Um, and then, listen, you still got, you know, you've got Louis Domingue down there who, you know, get the fried pork going. Uh, <laughs> I think he's more than capable of coming in and playing five to 10 games if needed. So, um, you know, because I think, you know, again, especially down the stretch when this Ranger team, you know, potentially has one of those top three spots kind of locked up. Um, you know, and who knows, maybe it's a battle and they still have to, they have to ride him into the, you know, the, the last 10 games there. But I think the, the hope is that they, they kind of can cruise into a top three spot and then just play Halak a little bit more, maybe give Louis Domingue a couple games here or there so they can keep him rested and keep him fresh for the playoffs. Cause you know, he's their guy and, um, yeah, you know, obviously a healthy Shesterkin is only going to take this team as far as, you know, I mean, they're only going as far as he's taken them. So let's go over under 60 games. Okay, I'll take the under then at that point. Okay, under sixty. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I I'll say it depends on how well the Rangers are doing. <laughs> if they need right. him to play more, I think they can play more. But I do think that the 50, 50 to fifty five games that he played last year at fifty two, I think that that's perfect. And I mean, the way that Louis Domingue played last year. Uh, I mean, he he was stealing some games in the playoffs for the Penguins against the Rangers. And it was funny that they he went and signed with them, but um, I don't think that Deming is the guy you want to rely upon. Uh, but if Halak, if something does happen to Halak, he could play. But uh, I I think that you're probably going to see Yaroslav Halak play 25 games or so. Oh, are we? Uh, <laughs> I'm blue. Uh, it is funny that we were talking about the uh, the blue shirts over here. You know, they're New York Rangers. And oh, you, that's great. Is that your ringtone or something? No, no, no. I had an ad pop up on my, uh, <laughs> my computer. I forgot that I had the volume on. What, kind of, ad, what kind of targeted ad is happening uh, where you have a song by, what is it, Eiffel 95 or something? Eiffel 65, right? Eiffel 65? There you go. Yeah. Yes. that They are <laughs> playing blue. As an ad, I'm I'm wondering what kind of uh, you know weird weird Amazon searches that you have. You know, so. Oh goodness, no! This was is a, that your uh, white noise? Sales. A white noise no. machine that only plays blue. Something for a company called Salesforce. I oh okay. I don't know. Anyways, uh, yeah, yeah. Now I'm gonna start getting Salesforce ads. Thanks a lot. Uh, probably pay for me. Uh, my phone is listening. Uh, but yeah, it's. <laughs> Uh, let, let's okay. Let's let's go uh, back to the Rangers again, and uh, and let's just give a give a ceiling and a and a floor here for this team. Yeah, ceiling for this team. I'll just come out and say it: Stanley Cup champs. I think you know on the back of Shesterkin, they are more than capable of stealing, um, you know, a series or two with with him and Ned. And I think they've got enough firepower up front to be deadly and. Um, you know, assuming that guys take those next steps, right? That Lafreniere and, and Heedle, they, you know, take that, that next leap and become those players that I think they're more than capable of. And, you know, this, this defense, again, you know, takes another step too. So I think with all those and finally having a captain on board, not that it, I don't really think it made that much of a difference, but, uh, you know, I think uh, this team is more than capable of winning the cup. Now, okay. as far as 
baseman is concerned, I think just, you know, um, probably out in the first round, right? They just they get a matchup that, you know, doesn't really work in their favor and things just don't go their way. I think that's something that could happen if they finish in that 2-3 because, um, you know, potentially you could have, you know, a, another Pittsburgh matchup in that first round. And, you know, again, with a Pittsburgh team that's, you know, making one last run at it could be – could be deadly for, you know, any team in this division, really. So uh, potentially you could get, match up against a team like that and, and be out the first round. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I mean, they were very close to being out in the first round this last year. I think that uh, the season they had last year was a, certainly ahead of schedule. I think that it was uh, – yeah, I don't know if they can repeat it again this next year. Uh, I think for this team, the – the ceiling is that still that conference finals. Uh, I think that there are a lot of teams that are ultimately better than them. Certainly they could go to the state, like because they have Shesterkin, um, it's, it's almost like, okay, if Shesterkin's playing at, at regular levels, like his regular level and you have the Rangers, I think their ceiling is, is probably the, the conference finals. Now, if Shesterkin is playing extra, extra Shesterkin, then they could do anything. <laughs> You know, I, and while that is the case for any goaltender, any team with any goalie, oh, if he gets crazy high, if, if we get another Halak with the Canadians, uh, they can do anything, which is, is true. But I think we all can admit that Shesterkin has maybe the best opportunity to get hot like that. Uh, I I think that there was a time in the regular season, probably in like, what, January, February, where Shesterkin was just unbelievable and if you get that Shesterkin in the playoffs they can win the cup Um, if you get regular Shesterkin I think this is still a conference final team Uh, so their ceiling kind of varies on on where uh, Shesterkin is at and uh, and then I think you know if this team is finishes two or three in the division which I think is likely then you know I, I think they could lose in the first round uh, just as easily as they won last year. So I, I think this is a team that is towards the, they're in the top 10 of the league, but there is certainly a, a, a world in which they lose in the first round, but they could also go to the finals They're They're, they've got a, a large variance in where they could go. Yeah. But, yeah, but I, that I, all could change if they bring in different players. I mean, I, one guy we didn't talk about was Vitaly Kravsov, who we, I, I I haven't really heard anything new about him and and what's going on other than like he he wants to get traded right because he he asked for a trade I think it was last season and nothing has really come of that uh, so you wonder maybe this is the year where Kravtsov gets dealt uh, or does he come in and and play for the Rangers I don't know but we know that he has a lot of talent and maybe they can flip him to a, a lesser team for a somewhat talented player. Uh, I, I gotta be honest. I know that they, I know they have a, a lot of, a lot of guys at defense. I, I wonder if the Rangers aren't in, on Jacob Chikrin with the Philadelphia, with the, uh, Arizona coyotes. I, I think the Rangers have a lot that they could trade. They have a lot of prospects that they could include in that deal. And if they're getting back Chikrin, they certainly could include one of their defensemen. 
one of their uh, quote unquote up and up and coming defensemen that they have. Uh, obviously, we're not talking Adam Fox, but uh, you know, a Braden. Sh- uh, you, you've got Braden Schneider, Libor Hayek, Keandre Miller, Ryan Lindgren. Like, there's some some defensemen that you can include in that deal if you're getting Chickern back. Uh, that could really upgrade your defense for the next three to four years uh, for, if you're the Rangers. And the Rangers could include a player who would help the Arizona Coyotes in the future. I think there is a deal to be made there. And at $4.6 million a year, he's absolutely affordable. You know, you, you, you could make it work and, and fit him under the cap there. So especially, I mean, I doubt that that Arizona's looking to hang on to any of that salary for three years or two years left on the deal after this year, but he would be an interesting player to keep an eye out for with the Rangers. I, I think he he might be a good fit. So. Okay, no, I like that. Another player in Arizona too who's going to be a UFA after this year, Shane Gostasvier, uh, kind of had a little bit of a resurgence last year, and he's he's on the cheap and. Uh, could be somebody that I think a team like, you know, again, New York could potentially target, right? And um, now, again, I don't think New York would give up a younger defense no, no, or no, a younger no, player no. to bring in a, a one-and-out guy. But, um, yeah, he could fit in really nice at, with this this team here. Could potentially be a third-line guy and uh, second power play guy. So um, The Rangers yeah, will I, definitely I like, be a team that we look to to make some big splash at the deadline. I think they're... Yeah, Jacob Chikrin, though, I, I really like that. And I think if you move out a guy like Ryan Lindgren, um, man, that could that would look really nice on that second line with maybe Jacob Truba. And, oh, man, yeah, that, that would be real nice. I love it. All right, well, that is our Metropolitan Division preview. Uh, we will be... Be back on uh, on the horse next week with another. Uh, we'll 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 go a little faster, I think, through these divisions. But uh, <laughs> but that's part three of the Metro, and uh, stay tuned for all the rest of the divisions in the National Hockey League. You can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk, and uh, I'm going to Traverse City this weekend. Uh, well, this week, I guess I'm going up north, going to the water park with the kid and the wife, and looking forward to that. So, uh, Justin, you know, enjoy. Enjoy your regular week of work because I had to suffer while you went to Hawaii. So <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And to our listeners, thank you for being here. We will talk to you guys soon.